Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. We are your hosts, Joseva Kapadia and Jasper Rivers. Get paid for your pad. 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 Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 90 of Get Paid for Your Pad. Today I have a really interesting guest. Her name is Kemi. And she runs a real estate business and she's also used Airbnb a lot during her travels. She stayed at between 10 and 15 Airbnb listings. And so we're going to get our perspective on what hosts can do better, the perspective of the Airbnb guests. And we're also going to talk about what Airbnb hosts can learn from somebody who has over eight years of experience in the real estate business. So Kemi, thank you so much for joining and welcome to the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So where are you right now? I'm in the south of Portugal, a place called Albufeira at the moment. Ooh, that sounds nice. That sounds nice. I have been there a long time ago, as we briefly talked about this before I started recording, uh, in a place called Praia de Rocha. And uh, it's uh, it's quite a nice uh, area, isn't it? Oh, it's beautiful. It's um, it's really mellow. So I'm just on the outskirts of a place called Seo Rafael. And uh, it's not too touristy. The food is wonderful. The people are great and the beaches are amazing. So, yeah, I'm a very happy woman at the moment. I can imagine. Yeah, I, I was actually just in Portugal in September. I love the the food. Absolutely. Uh, chicken piri piri is one dish that I remember. Uh, it's pretty tasty and also pretty spicy. Yeah, you could basically live on that here and have different <laughs> varieties for every meal, which suits me perfectly. Awesome. And are you on a trip or are you spending uh, a longer time there? Yeah, so I'm here for a few months at the moment. Um, I've set my business up so I can be pretty much anywhere in the world anytime, which is uh, a real pleasure. So I got to Portugal in February, I think. I think it was the end of Jan, February, something like that. And I'll be here till the earliest. It'll be the end of June. Um, I'll shoot back to London a few times and I'm shooting to New York and a few other places for business. But yeah, I'm going to be mainly based here for what must be four or five months. That's great. So you're you're leading a very similar lifestyle to my lifestyle. Um, how long have you been traveling? How long have you been location independent? So I've been location, or they had the ability to be location independent for about three or four years, probably. Um, but I didn't really take advantage of it until the last year, 18 months, when it, it kind of hit me that I was in London and I love London, but um, and I'm kind of shooting around here, there and everywhere, but I wasn't really staying in it for very long. I, I always had that feeling like, oh, I should probably get back. And it wasn't until summer, I think it was one of my friends just said to me, well, what for? What do you need to get back for? And I was like, oh, that's a really good point, actually. <laughs> I don't need to be there at all. So I'm obviously not the brightest button, but it didn't really occur to me that I could be somewhere else basically full-time and shoot back when I needed to as opposed to being in the UK full-time and then shooting away when I needed to so yeah I made a real conscious effort to flip reverse that right yeah that is that is pretty interesting yeah and uh it's funny because people often ask me 
when I when I go somewhere, they often ask me like, "Why are you going there?" You know, kind of like as if you <laughs> as if you need a reason to go somewhere. And it's funny because my perspective has completely flipped around as well. You know, it's more like I think I need to have a reason to stay somewhere for a long time rather than to go somewhere else, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because, you know, if you have a uh, sort of like a normal normal lifestyle, if you have a job, you have, you're fixed to a certain location, then, you know, that's... Uh, it's it's easy to to think that way, right? Because then if you if you leave your 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 area, then it's usually it's either a business trip or it's a it's a holiday, and so yeah, it's always it's always funny. People always ask me, "Are you on business or or vacation?" And I'm never really sure how to answer that because it's kind of like both, but also kind of like neither of them. You know, I'm working, yeah. but I'm also I'm also having a good time. I'm also taking the opportunity to see places and. Anyway, enough about you that. You see the blank faces of people looking at you, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but let's talk about let's talk about Airbnb. So you've you've been traveling eighteen months. What are some of the locations that you've been to other than Portugal? Um, Paris, New York, Florida. Um, so in place of staying Airbnbs, uh, a few in London. Um, uh, different places in the UK, so Manchester, Birmingham, Southampton. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's, I think there's been a couple more in Europe as well. I want to say Lisbon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, been dotted around. Awesome. And do you usually stay at Airbnbs or do you also are there, do you sometimes stay in hotels or do you do longer, longer term? How do you find your accommodation? Yeah, so... I mean, at the moment, I'm completely in love with Airbnb. I try and avoid hotels where I can. Um, I just, you know, I just prefer the comfort feeling like you're in in your home, and essentially, you have your bathroom and your kitchen, and if you want to make snacks or whatever, you can. So, where possible at the moment, I'm staying in Airbnb or using an equivalent site, you know, so an owner's direct or um, that kind of of site to find somewhere. Um, if I have people with me. So if I'm traveling with a couple of my team or doing an event or something, then we might take an entire villa, which works really well. Otherwise, it'll just be kind of a smaller apartment, two or three beds just for me and all of the garbage that I travel with. Right. And what what are some of the other platforms that you tried? Have you tried HomeAway, um, Nine Flats, Windu, or any other ones that are out there? Yeah. So I've tried HomeAway. I've tried Owners Direct. I've tried um, something else that's like Owners Direct. Um, I want to say Direct to Owner or something like that. Uh, I think they're the, the main ones that I've used. Okay, Owners Direct. I've never heard of that one. Is that international or is that in a certain uh, bond to a certain location? No, no, that's international. Okay. So I think that's the one I've got the place I'm in in Portugal at the moment. And I may even have got another one I'm going to New York next from that one as well. Okay. Interesting. I'll, I'll check that out. And so how do you compare Airbnb to those other platforms? Yeah, really interesting. So I think the thing with Airbnb that's fantastic is that it's really transparent. Everything is fair and equitable. So you look at one listing and other than the content they've chosen to put in, it looks identical, which makes making a decision really easy. Comparably, some of the others, because they don't have such a set format, it's more difficult to to compare sometimes and to see the pros and the cons. Airbnb's model of 
payment, I think, is great when you can just make direct payment and make it nice and easy. It does. I do find it frustrating when you have to email someone, um, wait for them to come back to you, and then kind of and make a payment that way. Sometimes you just want to make a last minute thing and get that done. But um, in general, I think they're doing a great job. As usual, with anything that's so high growth, they're going to have a few customer service issues and things like that. But I, I think they they're doing a good job. Yeah, and um, it's interesting you mentioned uh, that you don't like to email somebody first, right? I th- because I looked at HomeAway, I think it was, on some on, uh, on a recent trip. And I don't know what happened, but after a few minutes, I was already done with the site. I was like, you know, forget it. I'm just going to go with Airbnb because I think it was the same thing. I think I had to email somebody and then wait for that person to come back to me. And I think the pricing wasn't, uh, wasn't really transparent. Anyway, um, yeah, I definitely think that you know the customer experience, the user friendliness of the platform on Airbnb, I think is 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 you know is much better than um, the other platforms I've seen. Although some of the platforms are are also pretty good. I think there's a couple of platforms that kind of like just copied the Airbnb model. Uh, for example, Wimdo, um, which is a site that I sometimes also use as as a host in the sort of the times that there is less demand in Amsterdam in the winter mostly. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think definitely that that Airbnb is the easiest to use and, and has the best user experience. So, what are what are some of your experiences? Like, if you stayed at a lot of Airbnbs, what was it always good, or did you have some some issues sometimes? Yeah, mostly it's been good. I have to say, I've been really happy with it. The times that I haven't been happy are when it feels like a deliberate attempt to deceive. So. You know, if I'm not, if I don't have anything planned, I don't have any events planned or whatever, so I don't need to be kind of on top form. I don't really care if, you know, if I'm going to New York and it's noisy, you expect that, right? So I'm not bothered. But it, I do find it frustrating when someone hasn't put it, you know, just say it's it's right next to the main road or it's there's a, a party house next door. So you know what you're expecting. And I think that is when the experiences don't live up to it for me is when you just you feel a little bit let down and that's so easy to avoid by just being really clear and really transparent with people. The so great that, that's a really good point that you made. Sorry to interrupt. That's a really good point that you're making. Um, and I, you know, I remember I talked to Chip Conley one time, he's the head of hospitality of Airbnb. And that was the main takeaway that I took from his, from the conversation with him. And he's, he mentioned it to me. He said, you know, if there's one thing that Airbnb hosts can improve, it's making clear what's not great about their listing. Yeah, and, absolutely. And it's understandable that that you forget to do that because you're you're so focused on okay, how do I represent my space as attractive as possible? You know, how do I get more bookings? You don't really want to talk about the the things that you know aren't so great about your place. But you make a very good point. You know, in the end of the day. Customer experience, the guest experience is based on expectation, right? When you book a place, you build up an expectation based on the pictures, based on the description, etc. And I think the key to getting really good reviews, the key to getting five-star reviews is really delivering more than the expectation. And so I think a big part of yeah. that is uh, is also pointing out uh, the things that guests may not like about your listing. And I've personally implemented in on, on my listing as well because just like in new york is quite noisy well my neighborhood is also quite noisy 
And especially on Friday and Saturday, there's a, there's a lot of people out. There's a lot of bars and, and restaurants around my area. So it can be quite noisy. So I've, I've mentioned that uh, in my listing as well. And that's really good because you don't want, if somebody has a problem with that, then you, you really don't want that person to stay at your place, right? Because it's, it's a lose-lose situation. The guest is not happy. Exactly. You're not getting a good review. And it's also not in the spirit of, of Airbnb, I think, because Airbnb is really about, it's about sharing your space. It's about sharing the neighborhood. And it's, it's not, uh, it's not about just, uh, you know, squeezing the most sort of money out of, uh, out of your guests. It's really trying to provide a great experience for people. So, so yeah, that's, that's a really good point. What else, what else have you noticed? What else do you think that hosts can improve on? I think, um, so I'm a huge fan of systems and systemizing and outsourcing because, you know, no one gets into this stuff to create themselves more work, do they? And I think one of the great ways that can be implemented is when you send an inquiry on, on the listings that you have to, and if you want to request that of your guests that they send an inquiry, it's just to send a quick email back that says, you know, we've got your email and we're going to respond to you within four, six, eight, 12 hours, whatever it is, so that you have some kind of idea. I find it really challenging when you send maybe four or six inquiries and essentially you kind of don't really know when you're going to hear from them Mm -hmm. when all it would take is maybe an automated response or someone on your team to send a quick message that says we've got your message we'll be come back to you within six hours maximum so then again you know exactly what to expect and you are immediately put at ease it seems professional you know they know what they're doing that's another really good point you're making some good points here (laughs) (laughs) thank you yeah, no, it's, you're absolutely right. Uh, I find that frustrating as well when you send a, a message, you do an inquiry, and then you don't hear back. Sometimes I don't hear back for like over a day. And I mean, from the perspective of the host, like that's a sure way to not get any bookings. Yeah, because because the Airbnb platform also encourages you to look at multiple places, right? When you send an inquiry as a guest. Airbnb will tell you, so there's this pop-up or something that says, don't stop, you know, keep looking for other places, keep sending more inquiries. And so I think most people do send multiple inquiries. And if you're the first one to respond as a host, then you have the best chance of, of getting the booking. Definitely. You know, the first person that comes back to me with the answer I need, I'm going to book. I'm exactly, not that right? fussy, you know. It doesn't take a lot. Just tell me what I need to know, and it's job done. Yeah, exactly. That's it's uh it's it's very true, and it it surprises me a lot that it's still so many Airbnb hosts are very very slow to respond. And so it's yeah, that's a really good point. Well, I have to say, when I look at my own uh, listing, I always respond just as soon as I see the message. And the only times that it will, it will take me uh, a few hours to respond is when I'm asleep. Yeah, which is perfect, isn't it? But um, if you were traveling or you were someone that you knew was going to be have bad Wi-Fi or, or no signal or something, you could get someone else to step into that. Or perhaps the email address that the message goes to could send an automated response straight back that says, I've got your email and I'll come back to you ASAP. That's a really good idea because when you get an Airbnb notification, you can you get an email and you get a, a notification in the Airbnb application, and so it, there's no way to auto respond in the in the app. I think, but you can definitely auto respond in your email. That's fairly easy to do. 
So that would be perfect then for if people, you know, especially if they have a job or perhaps they they can't be online all day, then that's something they can implement right away that's going to help settle down their clients and they'll know that they'll get a response as soon as they can. Right. And how do you set something like that up? Is, is that a functionality that's standard in most email programs or do you have to use like a different, like a third party app for that? No, so most email programs will have um, the ability to have an autoresponder. What they won't generally have is the ability to select which emails it responds to. So what you might want to do, what I would probably do, is set up a separate email address for Airbnb and then set up that every email, so every email that comes in gets the standard response, thank you so much for your inquiry, I'll get back to you within six hours, so that you know that essentially that any email coming into that email address is for Airbnb anyway, so that's an appropriate response. Whereas if you had that on your other work email or your personal email, it wouldn't really make sense when your mum emails you the cat picture for you to get her to get that response. So having a separate email address and then setting up the standard order responder would work well. In most email providers, if you go into settings, it will have something that says set up autoresponder or set up out of office reply. And you can select a start date and an end date or a start date and say, you know, continue until told otherwise. That's pretty straightforward. Right. So in my situation, I would turn it on when I go to sleep and then I would turn it off when I wake up. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Or you could leave it running, but still reply straight away anyway. So they've got, they've seen you've got a professional responder, but you're also online, which is probably going to be twice as exciting for them. Okay. I see. So, so then the people would get the message, Hey, I'll, I'll get back to you within six hours and then I'll actually get back to them within a few minutes. Yeah. So they, you've just beaten their expectations. Right, so you can actually leave that uh, autoresponder on because it doesn't hurt. No, doesn't have awesome. any problems at all. Well, thank you very much for the suggestion. I think I'm going to implement that right away. Because <laughs> why, why not? Because why not? Um, it definitely guarantees that you have a, a very fast response time because that's also something that's shown on, on the Airbnb website. The response time is, is shown. So you definitely want to respond very fast to inquiries. So yeah, I'm definitely going to implement that. Really good, really good tip. Well, you have a lot of good tips. Let's let's keep going. <laughs> um, the other thing that I found really helpful is that the people that have got some kind of pro forma or welcome pack, you know, just a couple of pages of this is where the local hospital is this is where the local supermarket is i really like to eat here this is the local bar use this taxi company and even if you don't print it out uh, and put it in a folder just doing it in an email i think is it just shows a bit of extra care and also people that are traveling maybe they're only in an area for two or three days they feel like they feel at home much more quickly when they've got these kinds of tips and guidance as opposed to when you kind of have to try and google taxi companies in i don't know manhattan or something and it it becomes a little bit more stressful whereas in a hotel you've got maybe the concierge or reception to help you in airbnb i think if you can utilize that little bit you are again bridging the gap between hotel and home and actually getting the best bits of both in one place absolutely that's another really good point. I think uh, sending out a, a guidebook or an Airbnb welcome book uh, is a is is really is really helpful for the guests. Like I always get a lot of comments from my guests about my 
my guidebook. It's uh, it's quite extensive, and it has lots of information about the apartment, the neighborhood, pictures, local recommendations. So that's another uh, another good point. Um, and do you have anything else? Oh, I think I'm I think I'm running out of the good stuff. You run out of the I think the other thing, yeah, I think the only other thing has been, in my experience, when you request a booking and then someone either declines it, but they don't kind of give you reasons. And again, it doesn't really matter in most cases, but it's just nice to say, um, you know, sorry, I had to decline. I've got family staying. Um, sorry, I'm going to be at home or whatever, whatever the reason is. But I think you can leave a really bad taste in someone's mouth or you can leave a really good one. And it's just one small step so that actually if you're going back to New York and you want to stay in that apartment, you would go back to them again and say, hey, I'm actually back in these dates. Is it free now? As opposed to going, actually, that person was a bit of a douchebag. I'm not going to bother. And we all know that you complain far more about people than you compliment. So if you can leave everyone feeling great, even if you've declined their booking, it's probably a great thing for your business. And I don't really understand how it's even possible because, you know, if you if you search on Airbnb, you put in your dates, Airbnb only shows you the listings that are available. So yeah. essentially, if a, if you make an inquiry and the host says that it's not available, then that host didn't update their calendar. Yeah, which is really frustrating. <laughs> I know, right? And I, I know, like, I sometimes get frustrated with that too. And I I usually email them back. And when I make an inquiry and the person goes, oh, it's it's not available, I usually write them back and say, like, well, maybe you should update your calendar then because on your calendar it says it's available. Yeah, stop wasting my time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I know that Airbnb punishes people that don't update their calendar because this creates a bad user experience, which obviously is very bad for Airbnb as a, as a company, right? And so one of the things that I always recommend hosts is always make sure that your, your calendar is, is completely updated. So Airbnb does look at that and, and they do favor listings um, whose calendars are, uh, are updated frequently. So, but yeah, that's another. Definitely. They want a, a smooth and a frictionless user experience, don't they? As do all of us. So although some of the requirements is like um, Google and Facebook for using those for ads or whatever, sometimes it feels like a real pain in the backside. But actually, they just want their customers to have the best experience. And in fact, if you can comply with that and you can get to the top, then it's not the worst thing in the world. It's just frustrating. Mm -hmm. Right. So now let's talk a little bit about your real estate business. You've been doing that for eight years. What exactly do you do? Yeah, so I started buying investment properties myself. So I had a business. I used to be a physical therapist. And when the big economic crash came around, I was owed hundreds of thousands of, of dollars by insurance companies. So if you had a car accident or an accident at work, you were referred to me and I would do the work. And then these companies would pay me either three, six or sometimes nine months in arrears. But they were they went bankrupt and they took with it all their cash that they owed me and all of my clients, which was really helpful. So I ended up moving into the office to try and save money so I couldn't afford to run my home. And I got really desperate. You know, things were getting getting ugly and it was probably borderline bankruptcy. And I emailed or I started Googling how to make money. You know, how do these wealthy people make cash? What happens? And what I found was that all the, the wealthy people and the, you know, the all the rich lists either held their wealth or made their wealth in real estate. 
So, you know, I'm not one to reinvent the wheel. I was like, well, that's, that's good enough for me. And continued getting educated and I read books and I studied and I learned from experts. And within a year, I had a, a real estate portfolio of over $2 million and um, had raised about a million dollars in private finance to buy it. So instantly, you know, I had a, a business model that was working well and was paying me way better than any job I was doing. So I committed to just keep going with that. So I, I built my real estate portfolio and I, I'm still actively investing now. And then within a few years, I had people saying to me, oh, you know, I really like what you're doing. Can you buy me one? Can can I get involved? Can you know you find this for me? So I started what's now become one of the UK's leading turnkey investing companies, where we buy, source, and manage properties for hands-free investors that want the return and, and some of the capital growth, but can't be bothered and don't have the interest to do it themselves, which is entirely fair enough. And then a bit like you, Jasper, I found that I was answering the same questions and trying to help other people do this. So I wrote the book and launched our training academy, Freedom Academies, to share everything I'd learned about investing and how to do it the right way and how to avoid some of the mess ups. Wow, that's that's a pretty amazing story. Let's backtrack a little bit. You're saying you're all, you're almost bankrupt, and yeah. and then you you get into real estate. So the the, the first question that comes to, to my mind is. If you're bankrupt, like how can you buy a real estate property? Yeah, absolutely. So I was sleeping on a blow-up bed and eating off of a stupid camp stove that wouldn't even work. Um, and I started reading these books and listening to what people would say, and there were podcasts and YouTube videos and all of this. And they were saying that you could find joint venture partners to to buy the property for you, and then they would put the money in and you would do the work and you'd split the profit. And I was like, yeah, right, maybe in your neighbourhood, not in mine. You know, people like me don't find money like that. But like I said, I, I'm, I'm very much one to follow a process. If you give me a system, I'll do it. So they said, go out there and build your network. Go out there and start finding people that are interested. So I'd go to um, to meetups, you know, it's like meetup.com, and I'd go to networking events and things like that just talking about what I was doing and all I was doing at that time was doing viewings and trying to find properties that cash flowed really well but had motivated sellers that might sell at a bit of a discount and I spent a couple of months just building up relationships with different people honestly with no intention of them ever putting any cash in because I didn't really believe it happened at that point and then one day I had a call from an agent He's like, Miss Egan, I'm, you know, I'm really excited for you. We've got this offer accepted. Um, can I have your attorney's details and how are you going to pay for it? I was like, damn, I have got no idea. I don't have two pounds to rub together. So I kind of said to him, oh, I'm in the car at the moment. I'll, I'll call you back tomorrow with all of the details. Don't sweat it. And that night happened to be an evening that I was going to a meetup. So I went to this thing where I'd been going for a few months and one of the guys I built up a relationship with over time, an older gentleman, just said to me, you know, how is your day going? And I was like, yeah, really well, actually. I've had this offer accepted and I'm really excited. And he was like, oh, you know, do you do you know what you're going to do with it? And I explained my plan and what I was doing. And then he said to me, well, if you were looking for a partner, I'd be really happy to fund that if you do the work and then we'll, we'll split the profits. And that's how I bought the first one. And we went on to buy another three or four together in that first year. So I bought the first four using not a penny of my own and another, I think, five or six that year 
using the same method but with different joint venture partners. Wow, that's really interesting. I never thought of. Uh, I would. I wouldn't think that it's even possible to start a real estate company if you don't have money <laughs> to buy properties. But I guess it is. That's really awesome. Now, what I love about this story is there's a book. It's called "The Obstacle Is the Way." Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. So it's a really interesting book. And it talks about how the biggest challenges that we face, like often the, the best results come out of it, you know, and, and what is initially, what we initially view as a quote unquote bad event can over time actually turn into a really good event. And the typical examples are of people who, for example, who lose their job and then go ahead and, and start a business. And a few years later, they're, you know, not only are they ma making more money than they were making with their old job, they're also loving it much more, you know, and then lo they look back and they say, oh, you know, losing my job was the best thing that could ever happen to me. Yeah, absolutely. And your story sounds kind of similar where you were in a very challenging situation, but it's that, you know, it's that obstacle, it's that challenge that drove you to do things that otherwise you probably wouldn't have done. It drove you to step outside of your comfort zone, to think outside of the box and try something that most people would say that's not possible. Definitely. You know, if that all hadn't have happened, I would still be there trudging away at, I don't know, 60 odd hours a week, working harder than anyone I knew, but earning less and doing the same thing day in, day out, because that's what you do, isn't it? You follow traditional advice and, and you do what you know. And that was all I knew, but because that didn't work, I had to find another solution. So yeah, I am in a very strange way grateful for those events. Awesome. Well, congratulations. That's a, that's you know that's really uh, a great achievement and a very inspiring story as well. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. So you're now managing your real estate business remotely. So let's talk a little bit about how you how you do that. How do you manage a, a real estate company from from a remote location? Yeah, it's a really great question. And you, you might have been able to tell from our, what we we're talking about before with autoresponders and stuff, I'm a huge fan of systems and process. And one of the reasons was that when I, I got into real estate, I didn't ever want to be stuck somewhere again. I didn't want to have to be tied to something. So I set it up with a plan of me not having to be anywhere. So I do a lot of things around looking at what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. So on any given day, I started to write down anything I was doing. So it was, you know, replying to emails, checking this listing, contacting these tenants, doing this, doing that, and, and started to figure out how other people could do it. And a lot of things, it turns out, you didn't even need or I don't need humans for. So there's a great, great kind of third-party app called Zapier, which its entire job is to connect two things together. So you can have something like, when a listing goes on Craigslist, for example, it automatically sends you an email to your inbox. Or when you create a, a brochure for a property that you want to sell, or maybe for your Airbnb listing, and you put it in this place, it automatically sends it to Google Drive and then Dropbox and then uploads it to your site. So that one's called Zapier.com and another one is called If This Then That, so IFTTT.com. And I built my whole business and I, I continue to do so using these things. So I'll say, well, rather than me spending an hour hauling my backside 
across town doing these viewings, what can I do? So what I do is I pay someone a few bucks to go do this viewing for me to record it on their smartphone, then upload it to Google Drive. So without leaving my house, I've had someone go view it, someone make a really detailed report, and I've got video and images about it. So I think one of the things that I do well and I'm most proud of in this business is that I look at what other companies do and bring it to real estate because all businesses we tend to get really stuck don't we just in what you do so you know in medicine this is just what you do and you've always been to that store or that restaurant and you speak to them and go well why can't I do this well that's just not the way we do things here you're like yeah but, but why not so I try and figure out all the things that bug me about other businesses and bring it into mind to fix it and I don't know, maybe it's the lazy person in me. I don't know. But the the result is that we have some really tight structures and a really tight team, which means that I, I get everyday measurables and KPIs and deliverables emailed to me and I can action those. But actually, I don't have to do the viewings and I, you know, I don't lift a paintbrush or, or any of that stuff, mostly because I'm terrible at it, but also because I don't enjoy it. That's amazing. That's awesome. This uh, reminds me of a quote that I recently heard listening to a Tony Robbins program on uh, time management. It said, um, successful leaders don't look at what has been done and ask why. They look at things that haven't been done and ask why not. I thought that was wow, a really cool a quote. quote. I love that. Yeah, that's a really cool quote. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Great. Um, I love the uh, suggestions that you made with the apps. I've, I've heard about Zapier. I've actually used If This Then That, I-F-T-T-T. I've used it in the <laughs> past. And uh, you know what? I was actually thinking about looking into Zapier to automate my communication as well. Because technically what you could do is if you get a booking, if you get a reservation, if somebody makes a reservation because you know as an airbnb host one of the cool things that you that you can do is you can use instant book right so people can actually book your yeah. place without having to message you first and so if that happens you'll get a booking confirmation then you can have zapier uh you can have a rule set up in zapier that sends the guest a welcome email with a link to your guidebook automatically even when you're asleep is that correct Perfect. that's exactly what you want yeah, absolutely. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah, and that's exactly the sort of things that that you should be looking at, or I believe so. And, you know, even if you don't know that there's something out there that can do it, it's so incredible. So you might Google, like, say, how to update my calendar on all the platforms. And then you'll be amazed at how much information there is from someone saying, use this app, and that's going to update it across, you know, these five. So you don't have to go in there and manually change your availability and things. And all these these little bits that to to us might seem or feel lazy is why we have technology, right? I mean, it's pointless having all of this cool stuff and then still manually sending these emails ourselves. So let's just utilize it and embrace it and figure it out and play with it until we're at the point that you only have to do the things that you really enjoy or that actually have to be done by you. You know, I don't can't say I love looking at the accounts. But before we sign them off, I have to read them. I don't, however, have to do my bookkeeping. I use an app called Zero that does most of it and a bookkeeper that does the last little bit. But I just try and avoid, and 
I highly recommend everyone listening does as well, doing anything I don't love. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really smart way to do it. Uh, you know, to uh, we're getting to the end of this episode, but just to throw in one more quote. I once heard somebody say that uh, what you want to do if you run a business, you basically want to you want to get into a situation where you're not doing anything anymore, right? Except for yeah. the, only the things that are, where you add value, where on, you should only do the things that only you can do, right? And so you sort of leverage, yeah, by outsourcing the rest, you sort of leverage your own your own power, which is which is yeah. really cool. Hundred percent love that. Awesome. Uh, Kimmy, well, uh, you've uh, given some really good advice. You've definitely inspired me to make some changes to how I manage my Airbnb listing. So very grateful for that. And I'm sure the listeners uh, have also learned a lot from, from you. So thank you so much for sharing all this, all this wisdom with us. Uh, my pleasure. I'm really glad you found it useful. Yeah, absolutely. Very useful. And uh, for the people who are interested to find, about, find out more about you, uh, where can they go? Yeah, so um, if you want to grab a free copy of my book, head over to kemi.gift. So www.kemi.gift. Um, I've also got a completely free membership site out there as well, which trains you on some of the systems I've been talking about and some of the things to avoid work. Uh, other than that, head over to freedomacademies.com, freedom, A-C-A-D-E-M-I-E-S.com. And all the usual, I'm on Twitter and Facebook at Kemi Egan as well. So I'd love to hear from you. That's great. I'm definitely going to check out your book and your membership site. I really like the uh, .gift extension. Is that new? Yeah, it's one of the new. They released a whole bunch, uh, I think it was last year, of random kind of extensions. And that was one of them that came out that I really loved. Okay. That's awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to check that out. And uh, thanks again for being on the show and for all the listeners. Thanks uh, for listening. And uh, we'll see you back next week with another episode of Get Paid for Your Pet. So until then. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.